Welcome to Royal Grace Chapel, the empowerment center where faith comes alive through inspiring messages and teachings. At Royal Grace Chapel, our mission is to empower you to connect with God in worship, relationship with other believers, and enable you to fulfill your purpose for global impact. We believe in the power of transformation through the Word of God, and that's exactly what you'll experience as you journey with us through our plethora of messages. Get ready to be equipped, uplifted, and empowered on your path of faith. Be transformed as you listen to today's empowering message. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord. We ask in the name of Jesus that you would speak to us tonight. Amen. Open our eyes to your truth. Amen. Bless us that are here. Bless those that are online. Amen. Inspire us, O oh Lord, that at the end all the glory will be yours and blessings will be ours. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. And God's people say resounding amen. Amen. Please go ahead and celebrate Jesus as you take your seat. Once again, thank you very much, Pastor John and your dear wife. I want you to help me celebrate your pastors one more time. All right, let's go straight to God's word. Yesterday, we laid the foundation with prayers. Today, we're going to build from that foundation for the few minutes that I have. Then at the end, we'll just pray again. Praise God. All right, we talked about transcending limits. And we said, to transcend limits, you must be a man of dominion. And as I said yesterday, the mandate in Genesis, the dominion mandate in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, was not directly only for Christians, but for humanity. That is why you see that there are many people, they might not be Christians, but they carry creativity in them. They carry idea generation in them. I even got to the point where I feel strongly that many of us have, as Christians sometimes play low on the capacity of God in our lives um, just because we pray. Listen and listen very carefully. Your prayer only does something in your life. It changes the spiritual atmosphere and changes you as a person. But the way it works is if you do not have the capacity to take action, the chances are Things will be beautiful in the spirit and nothing will change in the physical. So you read the Bible in John chapter 13 verse 17. In John chapter 13 verse 17, the Bible says, Now that you know these things, blessed are you when you do them. So it's one thing for you to know the things. It's another thing completely for you to do them. When you see the scripture like that, uh, help us pull it up. No, I said 1317. That's what I said, not 1417. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. What does that mean? It means that it is not just the knowledge of a thing that causes you to be blessed. Being blessed means to be empowered to prosper. You might not look prosperous, but you have been empowered to prosper. Now, what makes you prosperous, evidently, is your ability to now do that which you have been told. So, it is not the hearers of the word, as scripture says in James, that are blessed, but the doers thereof. So, what I found out in life is that many of us can talk, many of us can listen, Many of us can even write. I mean, when you sit in meetings like this, you will see yourself writing and writing and writing and writing. The truth about it is that it's not the knowing or the writing that makes anything change. It is actually the practice of the things that you have written. And I will tell you for free. The reason why many of us don't do what we have heard or what we have written is because we don't even know how to practice it. It is the doing of a thing that brings the result. So how do you do it? When you come to a meeting like this, many of us sit down and we just listen. Many of us write notes. 
But at the end of the day, we go home and there is nothing to show forth for that which we came into a conference. That is why for many of us, we'll come to conference year in, year out. We'll go for programs year in, year out. But our life seems not to be changing. The same way you were here in 2019, that's the same way you are here in 2022. Before you know it, in 2023, it seems as if nothing is changing. But I pray for someone today. This will be the last time you will come for a conference and nothing changes. In the name of Jesus. But it's not beyond, it goes beyond prayer. Not these four things. It's not enough for you to just write. Not these four things. Whenever you come to a conference like this and God is using the man of God to preach, these are the things that you must note when you are writing. It's not just writing the notes and the quotations that I'm putting down that will make any difference. These are the things that you should write. Sometimes when I'm preaching, it will go beyond what I'm preaching. You will begin to hear things that goes beyond my voice. That is your father. That is your Holy Spirit. It will begin to tell you in your area of engineering, in your area of estate management, in your area of IT, in your area of ministry, in your area of education, in your area of medicine, God will begin to interpret the things that I'm saying to click with you because not every one of us will be pastors. I understand God because I'm going to preach to you, but you might never have the opportunity to preach, but with your words and your actions and with the results of your life, you will be able to preach. That when people begin to see your good work, they will ask you, take us to your God. I pray that will be your testimony. In the precious name of Jesus. So if you want to be able to practice that will bring results in your life, do these four things. Number one, when I am preaching or when you are in a meeting where somebody is preaching, ask yourself, what will I stop doing? That's the first question. So as I'm teaching, you will be hearing, I think I said it last year, but just to re-echo it for you. What will I stop doing? Do I sleep late or do I wake up late? Do I do this? Ah, if I normally wake up by 6 o'clock, 6.30, 7 o'clock before, Lord, I want to wake up by 5 so that I can have 30 minutes for you. What am I supposed to stop doing? Do I eat too much? Instead of me to be fasting at least once in a week, write it down. When I'm teaching, you'll be hearing these things from the Holy Spirit. He'll be telling you specifically as a person what you are supposed to be doing. The second thing you will do is, Lord, now that I know what I will stop doing, what should I start doing? Mark the word. It's about doing. Because it is when you do things, according to John 13, 17, that results begin to show forth in your life. So you'll be writing there, what should I do next? Then you begin to write it. If you were selling things before, God says, okay, increase the sales of those things. Go and do it from tomorrow, from Monday. Start doing it. Number three, who are the stakeholders in actualizing that activity that I'm doing? There are always people. You can never do things alone. In fact, wisdom says that you can build small things alone. But if you want to build big things, you need the collaboration of human beings. Nobody is an island. So don't get to that point where you feel you are a superhuman. You need people. So you ask God, these things that I want to start doing, who are the people that will help me to execute them, to help me to put them into action? Listen and listen very carefully. These people are divided into three in your life. Number one, they are your superiors. The people that you are supposed to take instructions, guidance from. Number two, they are your colleagues. People who you think together, you chastise yourself together, you challenge yourself together. Then there is also the subordinates, the people you give instructions to help you carry out an assignment. Those are the three people that will help you as collaborators to execute that which you have written in number two that you will do. Am I making sense here? Then number three, put a timeline to when you want that program or that thing, that activity to be accomplished. Because the truth is, if you do not put a timeline to anything, it becomes a wish. And wishes are not accomplished. What changes a wish to a goal is a timeline. So, by next week, Friday, I'm going to do so, so, so thing with my brother A and B. The minute you put next week, Friday, what happens to your antenna in the spirit, it begins to look for the resources in the spirit world so that you can begin to attract those things into your life. If you don't put a timeline, it will be only a wish. It will never come to pass. 
Am I making any sense here? Put a timeline. By December 31st, 2023, I want to buy a car so that it can help me ease transportation for myself from here to, the, to Victoria Island. You will be shocked all of a sudden how these things will begin to manifest in your life. The problem with many of us is that we do not trust the capacity. You are bigger than what you think. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is that man. So sometimes you don't know how powerful you are until you put these four things into perspective. Number one, what will I stop doing? Number two, what will I start doing? Number three, who are those that will help me to execute that? And number four, put a timeline to the actualization of that thing. Praise God. So my encouragement to you today is that as I teach, listen very carefully as God will help you. Because I see mega men here today. I see powerful women here today. If your amen comes louder, opportunities are coming your way. You must open your eyes very well because one of the first things that you do when you want to transcend the place where you are is to begin to think big. What you cannot think, you cannot have. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You, how many of you have heard that scripture before? But you don't know the weight of it. It's actually telling you that this is not you. You that is wearing one trouser, one shirt, and one, that is not the real you. You don't get it. This you that you are looking at, that you have limited your life with, is not the real you. I, I wish I had time. I would have broken down some things. But God will help us. Amen. Amen. <laughs> the problem with many of you is that when you look at yourself in the mirror, you say, ah, because of your neck. You know, some people's neck is so long, hunger. So the thing limits their capacity to understand who they are. The truth is, this is not you. This is just a representation on you in this present. And this present cannot limit you. Until you start thinking beyond this you, you will be captured within the space of time. That you will not be able to execute that which God has put in your heart. Through those four things that I gave to you. So the minute you make up your mind to know that this is just a limited version of yourself, you may never be able to take your world. So he says, as he thinks in his heart... Where is your heart? Inside. As he thinks in his heart, that is the true, that is the real human being. You don't get it. So this is not the real human being. This is a fake human. This is not you. This is too small to represent the entirety of who you are. If you tie yourself around this person, the chances is you will always walk in pity. Because you will tell yourself, what am I doing in this shanty? What am I doing? Look, the people who are living in Banana Island don't have two heads. Have you seen them before? They are normal human beings like you. Two legs, one head, two hands. Some of them even are shorter than you. But guess what? Once in their time, they were nowhere. But when they began to think differently, God began to play into their life and look at what they have become. Can I prophesy over 10 people here that by the time we gather again next year by this time, you will be a thousand times more than you are. If your amen comes louder, receive grace. So the mandate in Genesis is a dominion mandate. According to Genesis chapter 1 verse 28, the Bible says, and God blessed them. And God blessed them. And God said, be what? fruitful. And what? Say it as though you mean it. And what? And what? Replenish the earth. And what? Subdue it. And then have dominion. That is the mandate. And I told you earlier that that mandate is not a Christian mandate. It's a man mandate. Why? Because in Genesis there was nothing like Christian. It was 4,000 years later minimum that Christianity came, manifested in the flesh. At this point in time, it was a human mandate. That is why I told you, <laughs> may God give us time today, amen. That is why I told you that if you check, some of the people you all envy, some of the people you all appreciate, 
Some of the nations you envy, some of the nations you appreciate, some of the societies you envy, some of the societies that you appreciate, most of them are not Christians. So forget this story. The issue of this mandate is not a Christian thing. Christianity is about salvation. I shared it with you yesterday. Am I correct? Every other thing we share with humanity. Intellect we share with humanity. Marrying wife we share with humanity. Driving a car we share with humanity. My giving birth to children we share with humanity. Am I making any sense here? Every other thing on the earth we share with humanity. Whether they are born again, whether they are not born again, whether they are tall, whether they are short, whether they are wicked, whether they are good. We share everything with them. The only thing that is exclusively for Christians is what? Salvation. So thank God for every one of us here. We are all going to heaven. Especially if you are born again. Amen. However, is it not better that as you are going to heaven, you are also taking heaven on earth? You are born again. You are the one begging everybody, Gary, in your area. There is something wrong, sir. There is something wrong. How? It, look, think about it. Because sometimes when you are a Christian, you live a myopic life. You come to beg me, Gary. You come to beg me onions. Then tomorrow you now say, come to my church. Won't I suspect you? I will, I will, be, I will be suspicious of you. That I hope this person will not drag me to start begging Gary tomorrow. Maybe it's what he's doing, where he's going to. So some of us are not good representation. Our salvation cannot be known by unbelievers except by the things that we carry. That is why the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5 verse 15, Let your light so shine before men, so that they will see what? Your good work. You don't shine your light before God. God does not need your light. Am I making sense here? God does not need your light. God does not know. What, what I mean by that is that you don't need to shine your light for God to know that you are a Christian. Am I making sense here? So sometimes when they say, oh, you are going to make heaven do good things. So that, no, God, you, you look, there are people who do good. But God knows that they are bad people. Oh, you don't get what I'm trying to say. There are people who give arms to people. But they are kidnappers. All of us are saying they are good people. But heaven knows these ones are not good people. Am I making any sense here? So somewhere along the line, we all go outside. We will not be judging. And the, listen, that is why God said in Matthew 7, he said, judge not so that you will not be what? Judge. The meaning of that statement in Matthew 7 verse 1, put it up for them, is that, listen, as a human being, I advise you not to judge. Do you know why I advise you not to judge? Because if you judge, you only judge by what you see. And what you see is not everything to be. So he said, don't judge. Do you know it's in that scripture that you got to the end of that scripture in verse 23, 24 that God said, those people came to God at the end of their journey on earth and they were saying to God, in your name we cast out demons. In your name, we did this. They were doing good works. Am I making sense here? But God now says something in verse 23. He said, go away. Depart from me. You do what? You workers of iniquity. For I never... Am I making sense here? Listen very carefully. He said, I never knew you. What is the implication of that statement? I never. What is the meaning of never? Never means we have never been in a relationship. You deceived everybody, but you couldn't deceive God because God does not look at the outside. I've known you since. So sometimes we Christians hide under that. Oh, those people were Christians. They were the letter. No, God said it is you that they were Christians in your eyes. To me, they were never because I never had a relationship. Am I making sense? When you get home, go and read that scripture. It is in that same verse of scripture, if you read from 14, that's when you will now see where God says, they are wolves in sheep clothings. He described them like that, that they are wolves in sheep. What is the meaning? It means that they are actually wolves. They never changed. They only borrowed a cloth called sheep and they covered it. In other words, when they were going into the costume house, 
to go and buy the sheep clothing. God was seeing them, but all of us did not know. When they entered into that place, they entered as a wolf. When they came out, they came out as sheep. But when they came out, we did not know who they were. Am I making sense? So when they came out, they began to behave like what? Sheep. But who are they really? That is why in verse 23, when they were saying, Lord, we did this, we did this, God said, no. You deceived human beings because human beings were judging by their eyes. I was judging from your inside. That is why I never. You could deceive them, but me and you know from the beginning, you are still a wolf. You only add sheep. When you get home, read it and you will understand. What am I trying to say? That does not make anybody even candidate. What makes you even candidate is salvation in Christ. Am I making sense here? That is what makes us even candidate. Every other thing, all these unbelievers share it with us. But until they come to the knowledge of Jesus and say, Lord, have mercy on me. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. That is when they enter into this. So sometimes, we envy the Mark Zuckerbergs of this world. We envy the Bill Gates of this world, the Elon Musk of this world. But the question will be, is their end going to be in heaven? So let's leave that part. They, they laugh at us and say, okay, you people be going to your heaven while we are dominating the earth. But God says, no, don't let it be like that. Even though you are going to heaven, also dominate the earth. I pray over you in the name of Jesus that grace will come upon you. That from this conference, you will dominate the earth and you will also make heaven in Jesus' precious name. So today is not a day to discuss whether you will make heaven. I believe your pastor has taught you rightly. Today is to teach you what those people know that they don't know. That you don't know. So, there are people who know heaven, but have no business with earth. There are people who have all the understanding of earth, but have no business with heaven. But today, God is raising a generation that will know so much about heaven and also dominate the earth. I prophesy over you from today, dominate the earth. So the secret is found in Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. Look at it very carefully. The Bible says in Genesis 1 28, then God blessed them. This is the secret. If you want to be a man who is dominating over the earth, this is the secret. God blessed them and God said, be fruitful. Multiply. Replenish the earth. Subdue it and do what? Have dominion. Dominion is the product of that process. There are five processes there that everybody who wants to walk in dominion on the earth, remember I'm not talking about dominion in heaven. Dominion in heaven is believing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Dominion on the earth is this process. Am I making sense here today? Is somebody getting something here? So let's start. The Bible says, and God bless them. What does it mean to bless? To bless means to empower you to prosper. What does that mean? That means in the physical, you might not look prosperous. Oh, Kabbalish Kadahar Taylor. In the physical, you might not look prosperous. However, you have been empowered. That's what blessing means. And that's where we started from yesterday. I said, if you always use your eyes to determine whether you are powerful, you have failed. Because you are blessed. And how does blessing come? Blessing comes through what? Words. And words are the most potent seed on the surface of the earth. That is why after God spoke the word of blessing over them, what was the next instruction? What was the next instruction? Be fruitful. Because you cannot be fruitful if you are not seedful. Oh, somebody doesn't understand. God cannot command you to be fruitful if he has not planted a seed inside of you. And that seed only comes upon you when a word leaves God and enters into you. That's when you see people say, I just caught it. 
I just caught it. I might not look like it. Let me tell you the secret of prayer. You don't pray three hours. You don't pray ten hours. You don't pray 15 minutes. You don't pray 10 minutes. You pray until the circumstances change in your mind. That is when the seed has entered into you. Before you know it, your character begins to change. Your words begins to change. That, you, you begin to act as if the thing has happened. Whereas in the physical, everybody that looks at you will be thinking, is something wrong with you? The testimony will now be, while others are saying there's a casting down, you will be saying there's a lifting up. Why? Because you are seeing what others are not seeing. And that revelation comes in the place of prayer. It comes in the place of worship. That is why the Bible says, and he blessed them. I will explain it to you. When Jacob stole the birthright of um, Esau, how was he stolen? Was it not by words? Because he didn't give Jacob his property. He didn't give Jacob his property. He, um, what's his name? Isaac just prayed for him. Now let me tell you the secret of that prayer. The minute Jacob took that blessing, after giving the father the food and the father blessed him and he left, the minute Jacob left, Esau appeared and said, Father, this is your food. And the father said, no, who is this? He said, I am Esau. The father said, oh my God, someone else has taken the blessing. I think it's your brother. Can you imagine? He did not give him house. Oh, I wish somebody understands what I'm saying here. He did not give him car. He did not give him any material thing. What did he do? He blessed him. He put the seed of prosperity inside of him. Did you check the life of Jacob from that day? From that day, every material equivalent of the spiritual seed began to gravitate towards him. So some of us, we don't understand. The way to be prosperous is not to look for material thing. Look for God. Everything about God begins to attract its material equivalent on the earth. And what happened to Esau? Esau looked at his father and said, Father, listen to what he said in that verse of scripture. I can't remember where that verse is, but you can look for it. He said, Father, is there anyone? <laughs> Come on now. You got it, sir. Is there anyone? In other words, in Israel, they understood that blessings were not mere words. They were tangible expression. Go and read it. He said, is there anyone? He made it a number. Is there anyone? So that means you might have given him 10, 20, 30, 50 blessings, but do you still have one? And the father said, I checked inside. There is not one. The point I'm bringing out there is that blessings are tangible seeds in the spirit. When you catch it, it changes your character. While others are saying negative things, you will not say negative things. You continue to... People will be telling you, look, I tell people, if you have not started looking stupid before people, you don't know anything yet. If people don't start saying, well, what's wrong with him? Is, are you the only one? You have not started working in faith. Just like your pastor was saying yesterday, how I got my first car. We bought a car for our pastor as a church many years ago. Reverend Sam. So we bought that car and he went downstairs and he saw the car, a Prado Jeep, 2007 or 2006. And he looked at us and began to pray for us. And he prayed and prayed and prayed. We were so excited. Oh, that is even the second story. The first story is what I want to tell you about. 1999 when I graduated. So that was our first, that was my final year. So we, invite, we invited Reverend Sam to school. I wasn't his member then. I was not one of his pastors. I was still a student. But I was the Bible study secretary of my school. So we decided to invite this man of God. How many of you know Reverend Sam Adeyemiye? Good. I said, we now invited him. He came to church, our campus that day. I began to pray. After I finished teaching, we saw a man who was powerful. So he stood on the pulpit just like I'm standing before you and said, I want to pray for you people. And began to prophesy. Began to prophesy. Listen to me. In that hall, we were more than a thousand students. But as I stood there and I looked at this man, his eyes were glowing over. I mean, I was one of the speck in, in the crowd. Non-entity. But as I was looking at him, I felt something left him. That's why I described a blessing. 
when we start praying. So I laugh at people. When others are shouting amen, some people think they are wasting their time. No, it's revelation, sir. So while everybody was shouting, I caught something. I remember that day after I finished preaching, he told us I was a poor boy, came from a poor family, but how God lifted him. He said, but before God lifted him, he was still broke until he started saying to everybody who cared to listen that I can never be poor for the rest of my life. He said, that time I had nothing. He said, I had nothing. I had no car, I had no wife, I had nothing. My parents were broke. But from that day, I knew something shifted in the spirit. As he said that, I caught it. Listen, some of you, you pity yourself too much. You come from a meeting like this and you just be thinking, what will I eat at home? Forget it. Let everything scatter. As long as your internal man does not scatter, you are together. I'm telling you the truth. So immediately, immediately, I left that meeting that day and I was really encouraged. And I started telling everybody, I can never be poor again for the rest. Final year student, I was broke, eh? But because that thing entered me, I began to talk like Reverend Sam. And fortunately for me, I was the pastor of our fellowship, NCCF, or what they call NIFEST. So I was the man who preaches every Tuesday as a Bible study secretary. So I began to say it with confidence, I can never be broke again for the rest of my life. I can never be poor again for the rest of my life. When I'm preaching, whether I'm preaching about sanctification, whether I'm preaching about heaven and hell, Anything I'm preaching, I will turn it and turn it to prosperity. I will say, I will never. Ah, people will just be looking at me. Because I know why they were looking at me. Because after service, I will now come back to myself. When we close from school and I'm going back to my hostel, I'll be asking myself, who sent me this message? How did I, how did I start talking? And the reason why it becomes more embarrassing is because as I get to my hostel, there is no food. Nothing to eat. But you know us as pastors, brothers as pastors, sisters, you know what we do now? That's when we come to greet you. So we came to pray with you today. We came, we came to pray. And many sisters know it's food that you came to eat. Pastor, sit down. Let's serve you. Because no matter how broke a sister is in school, they will still have food. I don't know how God does it for them. Am I correct? <laughs> so as a pastor, we'll just go. And I will still eat that food and come back next week and start boasting again. I can never be poor for the rest of my life. But it doesn't change my words. That's the interesting thing. I continue to say it until one time it has entered into me and started telling them, you know we are in our final year now. We are in our final year. By the time we come here after NYSC, I will come with my car. In fact, that's where some people say, Pastor, you don't done too much. Mm-hmm. You all not too much. I was saying it to them that when we are having final year uh, uh, brothers graduation, when people invite us, I will come with my car. I started saying stupid things that even me, it is after I le- leave the pulpit and go back to my hostel, I'll sit on the bed and say, Who sent you a message? If you have not gotten to that point, the blessing has not entered into you. But every time I go back crying, the next week I will stand again and I will still preach the same thing. I continued so much that on the day of our graduation, you know what they do in school? When the first executive wants to go, the new executive we do send forth. Am I making sense here? So that day, they now started doing send forth for us. They now told everybody to get things for us. On that day, the new executive, they were now praising us and appreciating us, saying good stories about us. Then it was time for them to give us gifts. They bought different gifts for all the executives. We were 16 of us. They gave some, um, the guys, they gave them trousers, shirts, and tie. The girls, they gave them plates, they gave them things, cooler and everything. So they were just giving people different things until they now called me and said, let's put our hands together for Pastor Godwin. And they were clapping for me. As I was coming forward, me, I didn't see anything that they wanted to give me. Every other person, they've given them things. Me, I was expecting shirts, trousers, or tie. But I checked the person that was calling me. Nothing is in his hand. So in my mind, I said, ah, maybe my own is very big. Something is on the ground. As I got closer to the altar, I noticed that there was nothing for me. Until the person now came and brought out one small teddy bear like this, one small thing, like a sticker. He now gave it to me and said, Pastor, that car, that car that you have been talking about, eh, when you buy it, put it on the windscreen. Ah, Jesus. I'm telling you this thing under God. So that means, you don't understand, that means I have spoken about that thing so much, it has started vexing some people. Now, you thought, they gave people tangible things. Look at what they gave to me. It was like a mockery. I went back home and said, God, what is all this? It was so painful. 
But all the same, we graduated and we were posted to different places. I was posted to Kanu. After three months, I redeployed back to um, Lagos. So when I redeployed back to Lagos, I was standing at the bus stop waiting for a bus that would take me to Suleri to go and do my final, uh, what they call that thing, to perfect my transfer. So a man just drove before me, you know, it's like a senior friend in my area. He was driving Ionda accent. He now, he now drove and said, Ah, oh, God, where are you going to? I said, I'm going to Suleri. He said, Oh, that's my place. I'm going to Ilupeju. Follow me. So I entered. He now said, He will drop me. So as we were driving, he was greeting me. Oh, when did you come back from service? Blah, blah, blah. Did you redeploy? I said, Yes, that I want to go and perfect my papers in Suleri. He now said, Okay, no problem. So as we were going, I don't know where he started. And I want you to start learning the principles that I'm sharing now. As we were talking, he just mentioned along the laughter, greeting me, we shared pleasantries. He just got to the point, he now said something like, ah, this car self, I want to change it. I want to get another one for my wife. If I can just sell this one, add some money, I will change it. And so in my mind, I just thought about it, that ah, if I can get somebody who will buy the car, you know, I will just add some money uh, to it, then me, I will now make like 1,000 or 2,000. You know, 2,000 was very big that time. I said, I will just make. So it was when I was saying that in my mind, that the Holy Spirit cautioned me and said, Ogbeni, are you not the one that said when you are serving, you will buy a car? I learned the first lesson in life that the Holy Spirit will never remind you of what you don't have a picture of. It was because I was saying it, saying it, it has implanted in my mind that when I saw it, I recognized it. But I did not know what it was until the Holy Spirit prompted me. Are you not the one that said you want to buy a car? So always remember, you will never be reminded of what you don't have a picture of. So sometimes when you are talking that I'm a millionaire and you don't have any million, it's wisdom. Because if you don't have a picture of what you want to look for, if the thing shows up, you will not recognize it. So when I call you Baba Billionaire, say yes, even if you know that when you get home, there is no money. Do you understand? Even if you get home, you know, you know what you are doing. You are picturing what a billionaire looks like. So that the day it shows up, because there are ways billionaires talk. Poverty people can never talk like that, I can assure you. One of the things is that a rich person does not talk lack. A poor person, even when he has something, still talks lack. A rich person, even when he doesn't have in his hand, he still struggles to talk lack. So when people call you that, you begin to... Have you not noticed? Have you not noticed that the day a person buys a new car, maybe a color red, it is from that day, as you drive out, you begin to see that car everywhere. So the thing according to you, it will not look as if, uh -uh, because I buy the car, everybody now has it. No! The cars have been there. Everybody has been driving it. It's because you did not have that car. So there was nothing to recognize. Now you have the picture of that car. As you went out, you began to reflect the same thing everywhere. They have been existing before. That means your prosperity has been existing. But because you don't have a picture of what prosperity looks like, even when people are prosperous around you, you don't recognize them. Am I making any sense here? That was the first lesson. And that is what poor people don't understand. You don't wait till you have it. You talk as if you have it. I hope somebody's getting what I'm trying to say. So that was how we drove as we were driving. And I now said, Sir, I, I, I am interested in the car. And he pretended as if he did not hear me. He continued to drive. After like five minutes, I repeated this. I said, Sir, I said, I'm, he said, I heard you before. I, I, just, I just ignored you. Where do you want to get money to buy this car? I said, How much is it? He said, uh, You can't buy it. It's 250 or 300. He said something like that. I just said, Okay. I kept quiet. But because he saw that I was persistent and I was still asking, he now said, you know what? This car is not, it's not perfect. I will take you to the place where I buy this type of car. Apparently, the guy works with all these Indian men. How many of you know them in Ilukweju that have all those factories? I don't know if they still have those factories there, but all those Indian people, Lebanese people, they are there. So he was a teacher to the children. You know those lesson teachers that teach all those children? So he had a connection with all those rich guys that own all those companies there. So that is where he buys second-use car. So he drove me into one of the companies that they are, 
and told the man that, sir, one of my son, one of my brothers would love to buy a car. So he now told us to go straight to the garage and see if I like anyone. So I went straight to the garage and I looked, I looked, and I saw one, a, a, a Pojo, a Pojo car, Evolution. I now saw it. I looked through it. I told the mechanic to start it. He started it. That my brother entered, matched it, everything. He said, this car is good. He now asked the mechanic guy, he said, how much? Now, I once said this one. He said, 350. Ah. He now said, don't worry, let us just go. We now went upstairs. We now met the white guy. He's the financial director of that place. So we started greeting, we started laughing. Then later, the man now said, your brother said that uh, you are interested in buying a car. I said, yes, sir. He said, have you seen the one you like? I said, yes. He said, which one? I said, the 505 Evolution. He now looked. He now said, okay. Have I told you the price? I said, yes. He said, okay, so uh, how much can you afford? How much can you pray? Wahala. When somebody tells you that a car is 350 and now asks you, how much can you pay? What will you say? Say you say 250 or 150. Am I correct? If you, if you are very stupid, you will say 150, isn't it? So I looked, I looked, I looked. I didn't know where the thing came out. I just said 80,000 naira. The man looked at me and started laughing. Himself and the, even the person that brought me started laughing at me. They laugh and laugh and laugh for like one minute. They were laughing like, of course, because I was a student, maybe in their mind, at the end of the day, just stopped laughing. And the guy looked at me and said, I said 350. And you said it's 80,000 you can afford? I said, yes. He now looked at me and now said, this your brother has been very nice to us. You know what? Go and bring the 80,000 naira and come and collect the car. I learned another lesson that day. You never get what you don't ask for. You never. That's why the Bible says, ask and you shall be given. So I asked and they said I should come and take it. So I was excited. I was just happy. The other one was happy for me. But my happiness now cut short. Because 80,000 kobo. 80,000 kobo I didn't even have. So my brother knows. That guy knows I don't have. He just said, no problem, no problem. I, I now, he just took me out. He said, nobody has ever done this before. Go and look for this money. He asked me, how much do you have? I said, 6,000. The guy said, just go. Just, just go and look for. So we told him we will come back in three weeks. Or there. When I got home, I told my mom the story. My mom gathered her own 2,000, 3,000. I told my father. My father gave me 1,000. I told, I noticed something that time. Even Mala, Mala that was selling food for me, he gave me 500 naira. I noticed something that day. That when you have a big enough vision, God will organize everybody around your community to add to it. If you can share it with diligence. I started telling everybody. I called my girlfriend, who is now my wife. She was serving in Abia while I was serving in Lagos. I said, um, she Look at her. I gave my wife the whole story. She was my girlfriend then. I gave her the whole story, told her everything. She was so happy. And I said, eh, how much do you have? She now said she has 12,000 naira. Oh, we now added everything, 18,000. Started collecting from everybody. For three weeks, people who had 50 naira gave me. People who had 100 naira, they were just gathering the money, paper everywhere. After three weeks, we were able to gather 70,000 naira. Somebody say, praise the Lord. The mistake the man did was that he came to pick me in the house and said, Godwin, are you ready? He now saw me with brown envelope. It was full. He didn't know that inside that brown envelope, one, one naira a day, two naira, 500 naira. The thing was just full. So in his mind, 80,000 was complete. Now lie, yo. That's how I carried it. He said, we are enter, enter, enter. We started driving. We got to Ilukweju. As we were climbing the staircase, that was when he occurred to him that he did not ask me. He now said, how much do you have there? I now said, 70,000. I said, you are a stupid boy. <laughs> he said, why didn't you tell me? I said, ah, you didn't ask me. Because <laughs> the way the money was, it's as if I carried one big money. <laughs> so eventually, the guy just said, don't worry, don't worry, let's go, let's go. I will just tell him that we'll come back with her. So we got there, we sat down. The man said, oh, you're back. I said, yes, sir. He said, did you bring the money? So I wanted to give him the money. And I said, no, 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 no. Go and pay it to the cashier. Go outside, turn left, go and pay it to the cashier. I didn't know what to do. I just carried it. As I was going, he called me back. He said, come, come. Um, I told the mechanic to check the tires, the tires that I saw. 
In fact, when I bought that car, I still used that tire for at least two years. Before the, he said, I told the mechanic to check the tire, and I saw that the tires are not good. He said, take away 10,000 naira from that money. Give them 70,000 naira and go and take the car. <laughs> listen to me and listen very carefully. One lesson I learned that day was that if you don't take the steps, Holy Spirit will not end those steps. Some of you are waiting for Holy Spirit to help you. Whereas Holy Spirit is saying, move first. When you get to the point where you are stranded, I will come in and make everything beautiful in its time. Somebody shout a believing amen. amen. May this be your testimony in this season. In the precious name of Jesus. So let me begin to round up. Is somebody blessed at all today? Let me begin to round up. The Bible says, and God blessed them and God said, be fruitful. When you are fruitful, it now says multiply. When you multiply, it now says replenish the earth. After replenishing the earth, it now said subdue the earth. And then you have dominion. Let me show you another scripture that looks like this that many of you have never seen before. Verse 22. Can you help me? Go to verse 22 of Genesis 1. You know, we just read verse 28. Am I correct? Good. Look at what verse 22 says. Can we read it together? One to go. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the waters of the earth. Calm down. Does this look like verse 28? Do you notice that it started the same way verse 28 started? But did not end the same way 28 ended. What is the additional thing? that was spoken in 28 that is not spoken here this one stops at multiply 28 stop at subdue before dominion am i making sense here so let me explain it to you as i round up who was the bible talking to in verse 22 read it was it man who was he talking to animals this mandate was for animals in verse 28 he repeated the mandate but added subdue so the difference between animals and man is the word what subdue so we need to be careful to go and do an analysis of that word because verse 22 and verse 28 would have been the same thing if the word subdue is taken away from verse 28. That means, without subdue, we and animals, we are the same. So we need to crack, what is the meaning of subdue? Subdue from the original Hebrew word means to rip off or to open or to break things down into their smallest elements. Subdue. To break things down into their smallest element. So, animals were told to multiply, to be fruitful, to do everything, but we're not given the power to break things down. The difference between human beings and animals is our ability to subdue our space. In other words, if you are a human being and you are not subduing, you are actually an animal walking on tools. Oh, I hope you get what I'm trying to say. Calm down. Don't clap. Don't clap. Listen, this is the real issue that is our problem. Remember, we are going to dominion. Am I correct? So they said if you want to dominate, you must add subduing into the equation. What does subdue mean? Subdue means to break it down. The original Greek word, inter uh, Hebrew word, interpret subdue. You can go home and do your study yourself. Like when you, for lack of a better word, I want to borrow this word. When you rape a thing, rape, you know, when a woman is raped, it's as if you took her virtue. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. People don't understand, men don't understand the weight of when you rape a woman. It's only a woman that feels it. They feel empty. It's the same sex that the woman we have with the husband and she will be happy. Am I making sense here? But in this context, when they have that sex, because it's not within their own permission, you took something strong out of them. That's why for a long time, a woman can never forgive anybody that does that to her. 
or he can even translate it to other people. Am I making sense here? So the remaining of subduing that context is not, God did not tell you to rape a woman. He said you should rape the earth. In other words, bring out the virtue in every part of the earth. There is a sweet part of the earth. There is a sweet part of the earth. The capacity of a human being is to look at everything God created and bring out the best of that. It's only human beings that have that capacity. When an animal sees the earth, the animal plays with it, eats it, rounds around it, but when a human being sees it, the human being does not do that. The human being steps back and questions everything. Let me explain it so that you can understand. When God created Genesis chapter 1, do you know it was in Genesis chapter 1 that God created the whole earth? And remember what God said at the end. What did he say? He said, and God rested after he had done everything. Am I correct? So that means in Genesis chapter 1, everything that is on this earth was created. That's why he rested. Everything. And I can tell you for free, God had created everything that you see today in Genesis chapter 1. And I will explain. In Genesis chapter 1, God only created four things. Four things. Number one, the atmosphere. That is what you see in the air. This invincible place is the atmosphere. Number two, the earth, or what you call the ground. Go and check it. Number three, the waters, or what you call the sea. Number four, animals. Those four things are the only things God created. The last he created was now the man, which make it five. But this is the way he does, did it. He created the four things, put them in their position, created man, and told man, have dominion over these four things. In other words, rape these four things. Bring out the best in every one of them. That is why as you are sitting in this place, look around you. Everybody, look around. Look around. Anything you can see in this place. Can you look around? Look at the TV. Look at the drum. Look at the chairs. Look at the walls. Look at the camera. Do you notice something? Everything in this room came out from those four things. Ah, some people don't understand. Ah, God will help you. Everything in this room came out from either the atmosphere, everything in this room came out from either the ground, everything in this room came out from the waters, or from the animals. You see the clothes you are wearing is from animals. I'm telling you the truth. Or from ground, which is the plant. You see this chair? It's from the earth. That's where iron is gotten from. That's where rubber is gotten from. You see the internet that is in your phone. Pick up your phone. Pick up your phone. Pick up your phone. Open your phone. If you can, if you cannot, don't worry. If you have anybody to send message to, send a message to somebody with your phone. You will write something there. When you send it, will the person see it? Will the person see it? Whether the person is in Canada, will he see it? Yes, How did he get there? Atmosphere. God had created this internet in Genesis. They are all eating AIT, STV, OGTV, Ray Power. All of them are in this atmosphere right now. The only reason you are not hearing is because you don't have a resistant radio, resistor radio that has an antenna. The minute you bring a radio here, you raise the antenna and you own it, you will now see, you will begin to pick the waves. Am I making any sense here? So what did the human beings do? They began to question those four things. And from every one of them, they began to bring out virtues. That is what they call subdue. Human beings subdued the earth. From the atmosphere, they brought out AIT, brought out internet, brought out TV, brought out social media. From the atmosphere, from the ground, they began to rape the earth. They brought out iron, brought out cotton, brought out everything. Wild animals will see a tree and they will go and hide under the tree or they will just eat it. Human beings will see a tree and from the tree they will bring out timber to make what? Books. Make tables. That is what the Bible means by subdue. It's only human beings that have the ability to question their life 
and bring out the best of their future out of their presence. Animals don't do that. If a lion enters into this place right now, a lion will behave normally as a lion will do. What will he do? He will eat all of you, minus me. But the way God created human beings, when a human being enters here, he will love people. He will greet people. He will share love with them. He will make them look better. He will say, oh, your cloth is not good. I will tell my wife to bring cloth. That it is only human beings that have capacity to question their present situation and find a way to make it better for them and make it better for another person. Animals don't have that capacity. The only instinct they have is to eat what is not in their class. Am I making sense here? So when you are a human being, listen, and you enter into a place, you carry a gun, and you shoot people, you are not a human being. You are an animal who just wore coats because you could not question and observe your environment to bring out the best out of people. When you are a human being, you enter into the place, you might not have gone, but you have mouth gone where you will be gossiping people in church up and down. You are happy when two people are quarreling. You will take fire from here. You will add it to this one's fire. Before you know, two people are quarreling. Oh, we are good friends before. You are not a human being. You are an animal. Human beings like peace, tranquility, love, and progress. That's what God created us for. So as a person, if you want to dominate... Do these things. Observe your environment. Question your environment. Document your environment's questions. Then you will have development. The countries you all respect today, or let's even summarize it, the white people you respect today, they did this thing. Let's forget for now that the Bible is our spiritual book. Let's just be normal. Let me explain something to you. How can a people take a book that they cultivated over 2,000 years ago and bring that book into our space? We had our culture. We had Songo. We had Orumila. We were worshipping Obantala and Amadioga before they came 150 years ago. Do you know? How did they use that book to control us? Many of the things that they know, we knew before. But you know the secret? They were able to observe their environment, document their environment so that they can transfer knowledge. We had history. It is not the Bible or it's not Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that discovered us. We were existing. But our problem was that we were not able to document our observations so that we can transfer it to our generation. So they came. They were able to document. They used their documentation to guide us today. Today they are leading us. Why? Because they were smart enough to document all their discoveries and they were passing it, passing it. Today, if you go to their countries, it's as if they are living in heaven. We are living in hell. Oh, if you have traveled out of this country, you understand what I just said right now. We are good. When they say we are prayer, what they call it, that we are prayer warriors, we are the holy. If this is what holiness is, I don't think so. Because I don't want to believe that Africa is very spiritual. We are very spiritual. But our spirituality does not have weights to attract people from their place to come to us. And we say they are not spiritual. They are useless people. But with their uselessness, they are attracting us to come to them. Am I making sense? All of you, if I come here, maybe I'm a Canadian visa man. And I come here and I bring Canadian visa. How many of you will collect it from my hand? Think very well. It's a shameful thing. Shameful thing that you people think you know God, but you prefer their devil. Does that not show that you really don't know God? The Bible says righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to every people. Look at what happened to us in the election. We know that technically one party won. Because if you take it to the law, the law will tell you, bring facts. 
And that was what that party did. You can cry every day. But do you know some of us inside ourselves know that that party did not win? How many of you understand? So many of us know that they did not win. But we can't prove it. Why? Because we are still living in the jungle in this place. So all of us, we just look like, okay, it has happened, it has happened. Now, I always explain this to people. In that verse of scripture, it was in Proverbs, the Bible says, righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach. The righteousness there, if it was the righteousness that we all have pastor, as pastors, is anyone as righteous as African churches? Do you know how we pray? Man of God. Do you know what I mean? Do you know how many morning prayers happen in Africa? My friends run prayer. All of you know them. They run prayer programs every morning. 99% of them are Africans. On the, and many of them come from Nigeria. Pastor Bolaji Dou, am I correct? Pastor Jerry Eze. Pastor Joshua Selma. Many of them. Powerful guys. With those kind of people, are we not righteous? Are we not praying? Are we not fasting? Are we not morally, in quotes, morally, morally, in that morally, as his own, you know what I mean. So if truly we are righteous based on that, what did the Bible promise us? Our nation will be what? Exalted. So this is the question. If our nation is not exalted with all these men of God, my powerful brothers here and myself, see the powerful message I'm preaching, very soon we'll start praying again. Tomorrow morning your pastor will still do prayer. We will see fast. If all these things that we are doing is not equating to the exalting of a nation, can we say that we are not righteous? And I will explain. The righteousness that was spoken of in the Old Testament is not righteousness of salvation. It's righteousness of morality. It's righteousness of doing good. It's righteousness of taking care of the poor. Because in the Old Testament, Jesus has not come to give us salvation. The righteousness of salvation only came after Jesus Christ came. The righteousness of doing good was what the Bible was talking about. So every nation who decides to do good to vulnerable people, chief among them, women, children, disabled, poor, Go and check all these countries that you celebrate. That is their secret. They don't allow. They might be going to a nightclub. They might be smoking. They might be doing, but they take care of the vulnerable. Go and check it out. Have you not asked yourself, every of your family member that travel outside this country, do you know the number one job that they do in America? The number one job. Do you know the number one job? Nanny caregivers, nurse. Go and check it out. What's the implication of that? That country values human being. The second job that they do is teacher. Go and check. They value human beings. They take care of, they believe that if you take care of human beings, human beings will take care of the world. Any country that does not value human beings will remain poor. So when the Bible says righteousness exalts the nation, it wasn't talking about salvation righteousness. It was talking about doing good righteous, like living right. Am I making sense here? If the day we choose as a nation to begin to do right, we can even start from church. Man of God, we are wicked. Christians are wicked. In this same church, in my church at home, gossips they are excited when people fail they are excited when people fall into sin instead of you to lift your brother and pray for them you are the one that we carry to another did you hear that sister she has done this and you you now think that you are better than buari and tinubu is a lie it's because you have not seen that position if they put you there you will do worse things than those people why because a nation deserve the kind of leader he gets. Every leader was built by that nation. Go and check the list. 30 years ago, 40 years ago. What is 30 years? Okay. Tinubu was a Nadeko member fighting against injustice in this country. 
all of them. But when you get into power, they will now know that that fight was just a camouflage. You can yap to do for all I care. You can yap worry for all I care. But you are also a Tinubu and a Buari waiting for position. May God help us. So tonight, I want us to pray. Have you been blessed today? Yes, sir. Is somebody ready to take his world? Are you ready to stand upon your watch? Are you ready to set yourself upon the ramparts? Are you ready to see what the Lord will do in this nation? Rise up on your feet. Lift up your hands to heaven and begin to thank him. Begin to thank Jesus. Thank him for your life. Thank you for tuning in on this episode. We hope you've been blessed and empowered to transcend new heights of faith and growth. Stay connected with us for more empowering and faith-filled messages. And remember, you are part of a community committed to transformation. Until next time, go forth empowered by God's grace.